back to our biblical review. We've had a month-long break from our biblical review while we talked about the shocking sovereignty of God and the membership affirmation. Today, we're, we're, going, we're going back into the biblical review. Um, after every major division of Scripture, we cover what we call essential elements. And so what are essential elements? Okay, so blow off the dust. It's probably been since about April or so since we've done one of these things. What I say, my definition is essential elements are facts about the Bible. We studied the Bible. We're deliberately going through the Bible over the course of two years. So we study the Bible. That our primary focus is to actually read and learn and digest and obey and meditate on Scripture. That's our primary it's our primary goal, but there are facts about the Bible that we should also be familiar with and knowledgeable on so we know that we're placing our faith in something that's solid. So here's the current list of essential elements that we will cover during our two years tour. Inspiration, authority, inerrancy. Today is clarity, sufficiency, and canonicity. And obviously entire books are written about these topics and other people might look at this list and say, you're missing this, or these two should be combined. I get it. I'm boil we're boiling this down. We have 20, 25 minutes to talk about these things. We're boiling it down to a brief, to a, to a statement and a brief phrase that will help you, that kind of captures what this element is about and the scripture that we think supports it. Of course, there's many other scripture. But you know what? Who likes boring lists? I have a bonus family fun puzzle version of this for you today. Who knew that theology could be so much fun? Yay! So seriously, what we have now, we have, a, um, we have an activity for the families. It's directed for the kids specifically, but it's also for the families. What, here's what we're going to do. I'll try to explain this. When you walked in, you should have received a little baggie with some puzzle pieces in it, and there's a pin. And if you'd prefer to have, if there's any, if there's any artistic or creative folks that would prefer to have a crayon instead of a, we have crayons here that my lovely wife will pass out to those who might desire them. So what we're going to do is we are going to write the essential elements on the puzzle pieces, which, spoiler alert, they form a cross. And then we're going to write the essential element on the front. And then we're going to write its very brief definition on the back. And if you have a better definition, I would be thrilled to see what you write. And you want to write super tiny and copy, and copy um, a systematic theology textbook onto there, go for it. If you have a better summary, a two or three or four word phrase that you think captures this, I'd say go for it as well. So we're gonna, you're gonna write it on the front and then you're gonna write the definition on the back and then you're going to put it together either on the floor or on the chair or somewhere that's fun and accessible for the family and for the kids. And we have extras, I think, we made 60 or 70 copies of the things. We have extra super happy to send them home with you if it's something you want to meditate on some of your kids or we have families that aren't here today. So let's do it. Let's take a few minutes and write down. You have a note sheet from today's message. So if you want to remember what the elements are, they are there in a very handy table form so you can remember what they are. Um, feel free to copy onto that, onto your puzzle piece or, or, or make your own definitions up if you need to. And let's just take a few minutes as a family 
as a family of believers and as individual families to build our puzzles together. I hope this is enjoyable for you, whether you have children here with you or not. One of the things that we do intentionally as Oak Ridge is we try to find ways to include our children in the main service so they can learn what it means to be with adults and to focus on the Lord, sit still as needed, but they can also hear truth in in a big setting like this. And you know what else they can do? They can see you as a parent, as an individual, and as a couple, what is your response when you're singing? What is your response when you're receiving the word? And they learn from that. They absolutely learn from that. Okay, so with these crosses, um, I'm having a hard time getting mine to stand up straight here because it's on an angle, but if you have it laid out in front of you, uh, I'd encourage you to take some time to think about this. So we're actually making a statement. I made it a statement. It's my opinion. I made a statement. I made a this is Dave Ferguson doctrinal opinion statement where I put each one of these things. You notice what's right in the middle? Sufficiency. Sufficiency is about salvation. The word of God communicates salvation to us. And each one of these pieces is meaningful fact about the Bible. It's a fact about the Bible. It's a reason that we can trust the Bible. It's a reason I trust my eternal fate and my eternal soul to God in Jesus Christ because of these facts about the Bible in addition to their life-changing truth. If this was a book of fairy tales or a comic book or a history book, I wouldn't trust my eternal soul to it. I wouldn't order my life around it. I wouldn't love surely because of it. I wouldn't raise my kids and love them and sacrifice for them. And tell them there is truth because of what a comic book tells me or what a school textbook tells me. It's the the reliability and the facts about scripture that tell me, that tell me this is something worth investing my life in. So let's proceed with our message about clarity. If the Bible is our source of truth and there's these facts about it that we want to understand and affirm, and that's why we do, that's why we supplement, that's why it's like salt on the roast this is our supplement this is our supplement this is our seasoning this is our reminder about why scripture is so important to us today we're going to talk about clarity and my very simple phrase about clarity is it's simple enough for us to understand and i put it at the foot of the cross because it's closest to me and it's closest to you if scripture is useless if it's not understandable And if it's not clear to me in my state of neediness, in my state of sin, in my state of brokenness, in my state of separation from God, in my spiritual state of spiritual death, if scripture is not clear, then it's useless. Super useless. So let's look, I'm going to look real quickly here, I'm going to look at the definition of clarity from systematic theology, and then we're going to go, then we're going to boil it down. So, Wayne Grudem, Zondervan, 2020, Systematic Theology and Introduction to Biblical Doctrine. The clarity of Scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that it is able to be understood. But right understanding requires time, effort, the use of ordinary means, like language, words on a page, verbal communication, a willingness to obey, 
and the help of the Holy Spirit and our understanding will remain imperfect over time. Now, this is a very good definition. I affirm it. I recommend that you take some time and you meditate on this when you have a chance. I don't think I put it on my note sheet. I apologize for that, but it will be available in the slides, which should be available. But let's boil it down a little bit. If we want things to be clear, then we want to boil things down, at least for the sake of presentation. For me, that's part of clarity. Here's my definition for clarity, coming from this and other meditations and communication sort of thing. It's simple enough. It's simple enough for what? It's simple enough, Scripture is simple enough to be foundational in my life. I can base my life upon it. It's accessible to everybody, regardless of our state before God. And it's life-changing. This is what clarity of Scripture means to me. It's simple enough to fulfill each one of these conditions. And so we're going to take a look at these conditions. Um, So the Bible is our foundation of faith. It's our source of truth. Now, there are other sources of truth. There are, I, there are scientific facts. We have our sensory data, my sight and vision and sound and taste and feel and different things like that. That's a source of truth. There's reason. God's given us a brain. He expects us to use it. So it can be a source of truth. And there's also traditions which are very important, whether it's family traditions or local traditions or national traditions. These things are all valid sources of truth. And you could probably list others that I'm missing here. But my point is, and the fact of the matter is, and the way, what I've based my eternity on, and what I'm asking you and challenging you to base your eternity on, the fact that Scripture supersedes all these other things. Our senses can fool us. Our reason can trick us. And our reason leaves us. When we get older, tradition can be good or it can be bad. How many, how many of our cultural battles are over traditions and whether they're good or bad? So none of these things, none of these things are on the same level as Scripture. Scripture is our foundation. Scripture is our filter. Scripture supersedes all of these things. And if you're willing to order your life around this, you will be blessed. The Bible says, you know, receive my word, obey my word, meditate on my word, and you will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. Living water. It's such an amazing, amazing picture of refreshment and provision. All other sources, all other sources of truth are subordinate to Scripture. Jesus says in Matthew 7, you want to open up your Bibles, feel free. Read on, the, read, on the, um, read on the slide here. Just a quick question. Can you guys, is that font big enough for everybody? Okay, good, just double checking. Anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus speaking, and follows it is wise, like a person who built a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Jesus' words. His words. He is the word. Base your life on me, he says. Rest on me, he says. His words are secure when the world around us is uncertain. Man, that's a whole world in that statement. 
And I feel like a hypocrite sometimes just because I know my own anxieties and sometimes I don't put my faith in him and I don't rest on him and I'm trusting in my own circumstances. Convicted even as I say it, it's still true. Thank God I can proclaim his truth without being perfect myself. Same thing for you. Your circumstances are rocky. I don't have to know you to get to say that or guess that. If you're a human being and you're alive and you're breathing, you've got trials and problems and things that you wish were different, confusion, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. And it's frustrating and it's scary. But Jesus said, be a wise person, a wise woman, a wise man who builds their home on the solid rock. Jesus is the solid rock. He is the truth. He is the word. He is the foundation. He is the chief cornerstone. You know, it's interesting, as with many things that Jesus does, this is both a command and an invitation. A command and an invitation. If you get pulled over by a police officer and he asks you to get out of the car, is that an invitation or a command? You know, if, if, you're, if kids, if your kid, parents are telling you it's time to go to bed, is it a command or an invitation? It's a command. Jesus Christ is inviting us. He's commanding us, build your house on the rock. He's also inviting us. David, build your house on me, the rock that is me. I am foundational, and I will change your life. It's such a relief. When I'm thinking clearly, and when you're thinking clearly, and you're meditating on his truth, and you're asking him to bless you, to open your mind Oh, you can be so refreshed. Oh, you can be relieved to know that he's inviting you to rest on him. That's amazing. Scripture, it's as solid as a rock. It's, it's pervasive, the, the, the atmosphere that it creates, it creates the air that we breathe. It's familiar. It can be as familiar to us and, we're, and as affirming as the face of our spouse or the face of our children. It's what we depend on. And it's foundational to my life. It should be foundational for your life as well. Next, so scripture is foundational. Next, it's accessible. It's accessible to everyone. Meaning that the Bible was given in such a way that it can be understood. It's not secret truth that God implants in my mind and I'm the only one that has access to it. And you've got to listen to me, otherwise you're not going to know what God says. He spoke to Moses, and then Moses wrote it down in the Old Testament and all the prophets, of course. He inspired, the, he inspired the authors of the New Testament, and they wrote it down, and they proclaimed it widely and publicly. And it didn't just go from Paul to Timothy. Timothy, you figure this out. He's, Paul's like, read this letter to everybody. It was in the language of the common people. Think, big deal? Is it really is that big of a deal that we're talking about this? We've got Bibles all over the place. I've got 50 of them at the house, and you probably have more. Well, is it really that big of a deal? Well, you might ask. It is a big deal. You might ask the early reformers who clashed with the Roman Catholic Church about whether or not they're allowed to have Bible translations in their own language as opposed to Latin or Greek. You might ask some of the cults who say, there's hidden texts. And there's hidden secrets. And there's only certain people that know what God has to say. And come to me, I'll tell you what he has to say. And inevitably, that goes really wrong really fast. 
on many fronts. You might ask our Muslim friends who say the Quran is given authoritatively in Arabic. It cannot be translated reliably to another language. Cannot be. Which is interesting. Definitely a difference between the Quran and the Bible. is like we want the Bible. Did you know, you probably, some of you probably know this, in the New Testament, when the New Testament authors who are, we have scripture, given us scripture, when they're quoting the Old Testament, are they quoting Hebrew? No, they're, they're quoting Greek. They're quoting Hebrew that was translated into Greek, and then they're giving it to us back in Greek or Aramaic or whatever, and then now it's in English. So even the New Testament authors were using reliable translations because it was accessible to the entire Mediterranean world at the time. Is it a big deal? Well, you might also add to that list people and Christians and believers all over the world who aren't blessed by living in a free and prosperous society. People who desperately want Bibles, but it's a crime to have one. It's a crime to hand one out. The governments forbid them. So yeah, it is a big deal to have something that's accessible to us. It's a big deal to have God's word in our hands, either in a paper or electronic version. The Bible says about itself that it is comprehensible too. It's understandable. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 and 16. This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach. Not too difficult for you. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. One of the worst things is you feel like somebody wants something from you, but you don't know what it is. Impossible to read their mind and to satisfy them. God says, it's not too difficult. I've told you what I want. It's not too difficult for you. And by responding to this, you can love me. And you can respond to me. You can honor me. You can please me. The Bible is accessible. It is comprehensible. It is able to be used in our life. This assumption, this piece, is also assumes that Scripture is understandable and obeyable. So by, by whom? Understand who is, who's, who's obeying it and who's listening to it. So but anyone who hears it or reads it, it's not just a special few, like I said before. And I'd like to just take a moment now and emphasize, and, and especially, and this is again one of the reasons why we build our church around families, is that the Bible and scripture and truth is comprehensible for children. It's why we take the time to make sure that we present truth to them in a way that's age appropriate and comprehensible and digestible to them. Deuteronomy 6, hopefully a familiar verse to you. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Repeat them again and again to your children. You get tired of repeating things to children? Repeat them again and again to your children. That's how children learn. Talk about them when you are at home. And when you're on the road. And when you're going to bed. And when you're getting up. And when you're getting snacks. And when they're asking for cookies, and when they want to do this, and when they want to do that, and you're going to soccer practice, and whatever. Repeat them again and again. There's some of you, notably my lovely wife, who have an immense gift and heart with children. Patience, they can talk to them and really connect with them. What a gift. What a gift. Aurelia, Shirley's mom, Nancy, Beth, 
many of you guys, you just have a heart. You just have an ability to communicate with children. It's amazing. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to them. So they're important. The Old Testament children are important. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. This is part of the clarity of Scripture that it can be understood by children. And there's a point of humility here of application for us. Ah, there's a part of me, my engineering, geeky, nerdy mind. I like complicated things. I like huge structures, grand visions, a hundred supporting points that are organized in a three-dimensional matrix. And it all works together. I love that sometimes. And it's beautiful. And God created us with minds to appreciate that. But there's a certain humility, too, of saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Can we also, in our admiration of God's infinite complexity and depth, can we have the humility just to submit ourselves before God? I'm not God. Lord, you are God. You are worthy of my worship. Praise your name. I don't understand. Praise your name. This is your truth. Praise your name. I, don't, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Really simple things. Really simple things. Scripture is clear. It's accessible to us. His truth, his being is infinite. But his truth is comprehensible and simple enough for each one of us to grab onto. It's amazing. Mark 10, 14, let the little children come to me. Last but not least, foundational, accessible, scripture is life-changing. It's life-changing. If it's just something you've written on, the, on a book and it's up on your shelf and it doesn't change your life, you're sort of losing the point of it. If it's something that goes in one ear and out the other, we're losing the point of it. Scripture says obey, obey, read, and obey. That's where the power comes. That's where the life-changing aspect comes. Scripture is revealed to a willing heart. Two thoughts. Scripture is revealed to a willing heart. It is possible to harden your heart and say, I don't care what you have to say, God. I'm doing it my way. I have what I want. I got what I want. I got freedom. I got health. I got money. I got whatever. I got what I want. I'll do it what I want. You absolutely have the free will to say that. But you can also, he calls us to be humble. And to say, it says in scriptures, open your mouth and I will fill it in Psalms. One of my favorite verses. Just meditate before God. Ah, God, my mouth is open. My eyes are open. My ears are open. My heart is open. Fill me up. Holy Spirit. A willing heart. Is your heart willing? Do you hear what he has to say? And you say, yes, Lord. Or do you say, maybe, Lord. Or I'll think about it later, Lord. Or who are you, God? Or like Pilate, what is truth? Or do you say, yes, Lord. I don't understand it. Help my unbelief. Help my heart. Help me to obey. Such pleasing prayers. Such life changing prayers. The prayer to, for you to ask God to help you is a powerful prayer. Second thought is, Scripture, in order to be life-changing, is it's refreshment to our souls. Refreshment to our souls. 
won't read this one. Luke 24, this is, um, it says Jesus opened their minds to the scriptures. I just covered that point. This verse here, Psalm 19.7, says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Good things come from his word. A tree planted by a river, refreshment, refreshment will be blessed. Jesus said, streams of living water come from your soul. He said, I am the bread of life. His law refreshes my soul. His law can refresh your soul if you seek his face, if you obey it, if you have a soft and willing heart. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. (laughs) I laugh sometimes when I hear people say, God is a killjoy. What? What? He's a lover of my soul. He's a refresher of my soul. He changes my heart from being focused on me and my stupid circumstances to looking at him, the blessing of being able to sing these songs together. Lifts my heart, reminds me of how powerful he is. He's a refresher of my soul. Scripture is simple enough to fulfill these conditions. It becomes a solid rock in our life through obedience. It is intended for us, every single one of us, and our children. And it's simple enough to do these things, and yet it changes our life. That's what clarity of Scripture is. One last thought. Romans 10, verse 14 and 15. Apostle Paul writing, How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Unless someone tells them. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent that's why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Final bonus aspect of clarity is that it's meant, scripture is meant to be communicated. It's meant to be proclaimed. It's meant to be shared. We are sent. We are messengers of blessing to the people around us. Share his word with those around you. Trust that it's powerful. Trust that the Holy Spirit will impact their lives. Trust that their hearts will be refreshed as they respond in faith. The simple good news, the simple good news, is God revealed himself to a sinful world. He loved us enough to send his only son to die for my sins and for your sins. This news, this good news is inspired by God. It's eternity changing. And it's accessible to every single person. Let's pray. Father, I worship you. I bow my heart before you. I open my heart before you. I open my mouth to you. Lord, you say, open your mouth and I will fill it. I trust you, Lord, to fill my heart, my eyes, my ears, and my life with good things, not easy things. Lord knows. You know. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it really sucks. But it's good. I trust you. Thank you for making yourself understandable to me so that I can obey you, so that I can please you, so that my life can be changed by you. Thank you. Amen.